Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message and our current In the Word series as we journey through the book of Colossians. Let's take a listen. What we've seen in chapters one and two is what Paul has exhausted himself in doing is reminding these new believers of who they are in Jesus Christ. He's exhausted himself, helping them to understand their identity is no longer bound by the law. It's no longer bound by how good of a person they are, but their identity now is in their salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So he's been reminding them of that. But what we're gonna see in chapters one and two is where he's kind of explained all of this, very similar to the gift. He's gonna go now from teaching them about this to helping them demonstrate and enjoy this gift that God has given them through Jesus Christ. So he's been teaching them, helping them to understand, and now he's gonna show them how to demonstrate it, how to put it to use. And so that's how he transitions from chapter three, or chapter one and two, to chapter three. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to flip to Colossians chapter three, and we're just gonna be in verses one through four today. We're not making it very far. So we'll we'll probably close out this series right before Christmas, and we'll be fine. (laughs) So in Colossians chapter three, I want you to read with me verses one through four. Paul starts there and he says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep, I want you to underline, circle, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse two, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that your word right now would cut sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, I pray that we as believers, for us who know you today, that we would leave here with confidence today that we would not only understand who we are, but we would demonstrate who we are through you. So God, we thank you in advance for what you're gonna do and for meeting us here this morning. And we ask all of this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people together said, amen. So we noticed that in the very first sentence, it appears that Paul starts out by posing a question. He says there that therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ. But what we find is what we have to remember is the context of this letter. If you remember going back several weeks back that this letter is to believers. It is to those who already know Christ Jesus as Lord. These are for the most part new converts. They've been rescued from the the bondage of of Judaism. They're no longer bound by the law and now they've been set free through trusting and placing their faith in Jesus Christ. So we know this letter is to believers. So when we hear that, that if you have been raised, we know that there must be some, some deeper root, some deeper meaning to that word if. 
So the word if, if we translate it even a little more clearly, we understand that it's not a question. If we translate that word in the context of this passage, it would have said, in view of the fact, or it would say the word since. So instead of it being a question, it's being a, it's a statement, it's a declaration. So here's how it reads. It doesn't read if you have been raised with Christ, but it reads that because you have been raised with Christ, since you have been raised with Christ, in view of the fact that you have been raised with Christ, then we should look different. Then we should talk different. Then we should walk different. So as a result of knowing Christ Jesus is Lord, as a result of that, we as a body of believers, we as a follower of Christ will demonstrate who Christ is. There's transformation that happens. There's transformation that comes. If you have been saved through faith, by faith through grace, you understand that there's a difference that you are changed. And so here's what I want us to think about before we even move on any further. If you've been saved, things should look different. And here's why, I would venture to say this. You gotta think about it from this perspective. Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross. He was placed in a borrowed tomb where he was dead, right? So the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him and brought him back to life, resurrected him, put breath in his lungs, put a pulse in his chest. And so now we as human beings on this earth, in this world, I'm gonna trip over it and destroy it. I have a hard time believing that if that same resurrection power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead floods your soul as an individual, that that same resurrection power doesn't change who we are. When that such power floods our soul, when that flood takes over our lives, there's no way that something that powerful doesn't bring forth life change. Doesn't mean we're perfect, but it brings forth life change. I love what we're seeing and I love talking to new believers and and it's so encouraging because they're saying, man, you know what? The sin that used to be fun the sin that used to be comfortable, ever since I gave my life to Jesus, it ain't so comfortable anymore. And I don't understand why. It's the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that now lives in you, because that is a Holy Spirit. It's not a sinful spirit. So now that sin that used to entertain, that sin that used to feel good, that sin that used to draw us, now it's a little uncomfortable. I always pray, and y'all really get mad at me, I pray that you're miserable I pray that you're miserable until you submit to the, to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit, till you submit to Jesus Christ. But I also pray that even we as believers, that you're miserable as well when we're walking in sin. Because that is when the Holy Spirit is opening our eyes to that's our new nature now. And so we have to understand that when we as the church, when, we, when I say the church, I'm not talking about Chestnut Mountain, I'm talking about those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. If the Holy Spirit resides in you, there will be change. There will be change. But here's where we gotta be careful. We've gotta give credit where credit is due. And here's what I mean by that transformation only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
We don't have the ability to overcome things. We don't have the ability to set ourselves free from sin. It is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and it is only through the transformation of the Holy Spirit. So when we walk around here and we act like we're free, which we are, don't ever think that it's something that you've done. It is the Holy Spirit of God that has set you free. But here's where we have to surrender to that mindset. And I'll, here, I'll point all the fingers back to me. Where we have to be so careful is when we turn on the TV, when we see people in the community and we see people living a life of sin, we see people walking willingly in disobedience. We as the Christians, we as the followers of Christ can be very judgmental. And what I mean by that is we are still very judgmental of a lost world. But here's what I want us to wrap our minds around today. We as the church have got to stop expecting lost people to act like saved people because they're not. The Holy Spirit has not flooded their life. The Holy Spirit has not transformed them. And so instead of condemning, instead of judging, what we as the body of Christ has to do is meet them in their sin and love them to the cross. Love them. It doesn't mean that we celebrate their sin they're living in, but we love them in spite of the sin they're living in. Because you know, Christ loved you in spite of your sin. And so what we've got to wrap our minds around is the Holy Spirit is what transformed you. And we've got to pray for a lost world for that same Holy Spirit to transform them. Don't ever think that you're transformed because you have implemented some behavior modifications. Because it has nothing to do with you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And number two, Here's another area that we, that myself need to be careful in. You know, what we've been seeing around here is, the only way to describe it is revival. We've seen so many people step from darkness to light. We've seen so many people trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What we have to understand is, as you heard just a moment ago, my wife and I are expecting number five. Praise the Lord. And evidently she got on to me just a minute ago because I gave the wrong due date in the first service. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to me. <laughs> but on November 27th, did I say that one right? Okay, I said 29th before. Um, we're gonna receive a new child into this world. But what we have to understand as parents, it's a baby. It is a baby, it has just been born. So as a parent, I can't expect this child to jump out and be ready to run. I can't expect this child to be born and be able to feed itself. I can't expect this child to, be, to, to come out and be ready to drive a car. No, my job as a parent is to love and to shepherd that child in the way that they should go and to teach them how to do all of those things. Here's where I'm going with this. We've seen so many born again in the last three months. What breaks my heart is we as a church at times, we are so critical because we will see a newborn child in Jesus Christ and we will expect them to walk like a mature follower of Christ. They're babies. 
They're babies. And what our job is, is the body is to come alongside, to hold their hand, to feed them, to teach them the ways of the Lord. Because how many times do we see somebody come up and profess a relationship with Jesus Christ and then we go home and we, we follow them on social media and they're posting things. You're like, oh, that sure doesn't look like what a believer needs to be posting. And we condemn. Don't forget, they're babies. And instead of talking about them, let's talk to them. Instead of talking to a baby, instead of talking about them, instead of throwing them under the bus, let's go and meet them. And let's talk to this baby in Christ and help them to understand, yes, your identity is in him, but here's how things will begin to look. There's a word that that's called and it's simply discipleship. Discipleship, salvation is not the end. Salvation is just the beginning. It's just the beginning of this new life in Christ. But we as the body of believers, we've got to stop expecting lost people to act like saved people. And we've got to stop expecting babies in Christ to walk like mature believers. They don't know how to yet. And that's our job. That's our role as the believers is to come alongside. And so we as the church, this goes back to last week. We've got to die to this, this judgmental mindset and recognize that we're all just a bunch of broken pieces trying to make it together. That we're all broken. That we're all broken pieces. We gotta quit being judgmental. Jesus even speaks to this. And I love this. He kind of comes out with a right jab. He says here in Matthew chapter seven, verse three, he says, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Quit pointing out the sin of others and pay attention to the sin in your own life. Let's love each other where they're at in their sin. So those are the two things. Let's stop expecting, believe, or let's stop expecting lost people to act like saved people. And let's stop expecting babies to run like mature believers. And that's exactly how Paul is approaching. Remember, for the large majority, these are new believers that this letter is going to. So Paul is coming alongside them. Instead of condemning their sin, he's teaching them how to deal with it. Instead of pointing fingers, he's teaching them how to walk through it. And that's what he's gonna do. And I love Paul because he's kind of a man's man. He's just a practical guy, right? He's just practical. We as men, we love to be practical. You can preach the Bible at me, but give me some, give me some direction on how I can apply this thing. Well, that's what Paul does. That's what I love about Paul. And so he starts out very simple and we're gonna try to break this down. But if you notice the, the thing that we can apply, all of us, this is not just to dads, this is not just to men, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, look at what verse one he tells us. Keep seeking the things above. I love that word keep because I think these new believers, if I'm them and I'm hearing Paul write this to me, I'm encouraged right now because he says, keep on. And so it's to tell me to keep on, that means that I've done something a little bit right. And so what Paul is telling them, you keep doing what you're doing. You keep 
looking. You keep seeking the things above. So we have to ask the glaring question now, what are the things above? What do we seek that's above? Well, through study and looking at that, what Paul is turning their eyes to is he's wanting them to look and to seek the attributes of who their savior is. He's wanting them to look at the attributes of Christ. He's wanting them to better understand who Jesus is. And so what he's essentially telling them, he's saying, look, keep seeking his holiness. Keep seeking his righteousness. And we even read in the word of God where the Lord says, be holy because I am holy. And so you keep seeking his holiness. Number two, keep seeking his power. Keep seeking that resurrection power that has saved you. Because that's when we wanna see the supernatural things happen is only by the way of his power. So we keep seeking the power. Then we keep seeking the love and the grace that Christ extended to you, that Christ extended to me. Because see, the more we know about the attributes of God, what we read in Romans is that he is molding us into the image of his son. So the more that we know about his son, the more the Holy Spirit transforms us into the image of that son. So this is the word of God coming to life. This is the word of God shaping and molding us into the people that God has called us to be. So when we're seeking his holiness, seeking his power, seeking his love and his grace, then we as believers now understand what it is to look like Christ. Are we able to live exactly the way that he did? Absolutely not. We're still all fleshly people. But Paul is encouraging them, you keep pursuing, you keep learning, you stay faithful even in spite of what you're facing now, because we know what's going on in the city of Colossae and the church right now, what's going on is they're being judged. They're being ridiculed because they're not doing church the right way. Remember the false teachers that are coming in and they're telling them that everything they're doing is wrong because they're wanting them to go back to the old Jewish law. They're wanting them to follow all the rules. So they're being ridiculed, they're being criticized. And remember, as we talked last week, the enemy is casting all of these shadows to get their distractions and everything off of who Christ is. And to let's look at all this other stuff that's going on, all this, this noise that is going on around us. And so Paul is helping them once again Seek the things above. Don't pay attention to all the noise around you. Keep seeking the things above. Then the second thing he says, he says, set your mind on the things above. Now, another word in some of your Bibles, it may even say this, it would say, set your affections on the things of the Lord. Set your affections on the things above. And here's what I see here is, is once we're seeking the things above, Paul knows that if we're seeking the things of Christ, then the power of the Holy Spirit is gonna transform our affections towards Jesus Christ. It's gonna transform. We're gonna go from seeking him to now our affections and our love for him is growing because we're better understanding who he is. We're better understanding of what's been extended to us. We're better understanding of this love, this grace, this power. And so as we see that, we, we seek him then our affections are changing. Our mind is changing. But know and understand that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that this is happening. And that's what I love is how Paul just simply trusts 
the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we read all through there, he's not telling them to stop doing this. He's not telling them to stop doing that. But what he's telling them to do is seek Jesus, to seek Christ, to seek the attributes of who he is and watch your affection toward him change. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of this power. And so ultimately what Paul is calling for here, he's calling for the church, for the new believers to be disciplined. He's calling for them to be disciplined. And I know in our culture, we don't like this word discipline. And I really don't understand why. Because we like discipline when it comes to certain things. But a lot of times we don't like to talk about discipline when it comes to our faith. Because we can throw, oh, that's just some religiosity. That's just some religion. That's just some habit. Church, we gotta be disciplined. We've got to be disciplined Because look, let's just be honest. There's gonna be days that we don't want to do things right, but we've gotta be disciplined. And you're gonna, I'm gonna talk about that in just a little bit more in just a minute. But Paul knew that if the believers would be disciplined, they would focus their energy. And if they focus their thoughts on the one who saved them, then this will steer them away from the very sin that separated them. If we will be disciplined to focus our thoughts, to focus our mind on the one who saved us, then it will steer us away from the very things that separated us. And that's what Paul is wanting these new believers to understand. Be disciplined, get your eyes on him. And as you get your eyes on him, if you're seeking him, you're not gonna be seeking the things that separated you in the beginning. So we've got to change our perspective. We've got to change our disciplines. But as we said just a moment ago, I'm not a fool to believe that every one of us in this room are gonna wake up every day and wanna lift our hands in worship. That we're not gonna wake up every day and immediately fall out of the bed on our knees with Bible in hand. That's not how we do life. I wish we all did. And again, maybe I need just to speak for me. Maybe y'all all do that. But how many times did we wake up, even this morning? Whew, that rain outside. Fathers, men, in your mind, for just a moment, you thought, dude, it would feel so good. It's Father's Day. I just lay on this couch. It ain't in the mood to get out of this house. I can lay right here. It's online now. The church is coming to me. But praise God, you were disciplined enough to get out in the rain and get into God's house. So here's what I want you to understand. There's discipline that is gonna have to come and you're gonna hear that in just a minute of this discipline that we're talking about, this discipline that we're speaking to because there's going to be days that we don't wanna worship There's gonna be days that we don't feel like seeking the things above. There's gonna be days that we don't feel like setting our mind on the things above. Maybe you're here right now in this morning and this is the last place you wanna be because the enemy has distracted you. The the enemy is throwing all kind of flaming arrows at you. He's gonna distract you in so many different ways. He's going to use your job to do it. 
He's gonna use your family to distract you. He's gonna use everything he can, even the relationships in your life, he's going to use to get your focus off of who Christ is. He's going to take your job, he's gonna take financial stresses, and he's gonna use all of that stuff to try to instill in you a heart that wants nothing to do with God. A heart that wants nothing to do with worship. Because we all go through those seasons to where you say, you know what? I just don't feel like praising him today. Truthfully, Brian, if we're real honest, I'm mad at him today. I really feel that God has kind of let me down. Church, this is where that discipline mindset has to come in. Because there's going to be days that you don't wanna seek the things above. There's gonna be days that you don't wanna set your mind on the things above. That happens every day in our life, not just with the Lord, but with anything. Because how many of you are gonna hit the ground tomorrow morning, you're gonna jump out of the bed and go, praise God I get to go to work today. Nobody. You're not gonna hit the ground so excited to go to work, but because of discipline, you're gonna go, you know what? I don't wanna do this, but I know it's a commitment that I've made, so therefore I'm gonna do it. You know, as you get older, we gotta kinda do this thing they call, I don't even call it working out anymore, it's like exercise. But there's tomorrow, I try to do that in the morning. Do you think that I wake up in the morning going, whoa, can't wait to go in there and sweat and about to kill myself. No, I don't wanna do it. But I have to be disciplined because I know that when I'm five foot seven, there's only one way to grow. And it's not up anymore. That stopped in the eighth grade. Y'all think I'm kidding. <laughs> really did. Jennifer, you're laughing. Uh, she's, I've known him since he was in eighth grade. And yep, he's the same height. But we have to be disciplined even when we don't wanna do something. You think about a diet. That's where most people in the first time went, oh God, don't talk about discipline when it comes to eating. But we have to make up our mind. We have to be disciplined even when we don't want to do it. We've gotta remember the commitment we've made. How in the world do we not apply that to our faith in Jesus Christ, the one that gives us life? Because all that other stuff, it's all monetary. We can be disciplined to stuff that don't even last. But how in the world can we not be disciplined when it comes to a savior? Because do you think he, on the way up the hill, went, man, I'm so excited I get to carry their cross. No, he was disciplined because he knew the commitment that he had with the father and he knew that a commitment that he had to you. He was disciplined in that. So you say, well, Brian, I get it. Even where I'm at right now in this moment, I don't wanna worship. I don't want to worship him. Let me encourage you with this. Worship does not always look like our hands raised and with this big glowing smile on our face. That's not worship all the time. Yes, some of you, you may be riding high right now in life and you're, man, this is you. 
You were armed. If you could get your legs up, you'd get them up. But you are so excited about what God is doing in your life. But you may be here this morning and you think, well, I don't even like God right now. I'm so frustrated. I've lost my job. I've lost my family. I've lost my spouse. I've lost my mother. I've lost my father. And I just don't feel like doing it right now. Can I tell you that your worship is, may not look like this, but it's okay for your worship to look like this. And you cry out to a God and you say, God, I don't even want to worship right now. God, I'm broken. God, I'm hurting. And God, right now, I don't even know that I can trust you. But can I tell you that God and the power of his Holy Spirit will meet you in that brokenness? You don't have to have it all together to worship. Worship is simply crawling into the lap of your father. And said, I don't even like my circumstances, but God, if you can save me, I know you can see me through this too. That's worship. You say, well, Brian, how do I even, how do I even seek the things above? How do I set my affections on the things above when I don't even feel like it? Even when you don't feel like it, Here's where discipline comes in. You run to the word of God. You run to the word of God. You worship him through the storm. And hear me when I say this, don't forsake the assembling together with others. Don't forsake the church. Don't forsake being with body of believers. But again, this is discipline because if we're not disciplined, if we're not running to the word, if we're not worshiping through the storm, if we're not running to God's house, we're not seeking the things of God. Can I tell you, if you're not seeking him, you're seeking the things of this world. Because if we're not seeking him, we're seeking something else. And what I'm so burdened for is that even some of you in this room right now, you're believers, you, you know when God saved you but you've let the distractions of this world cause you to seek other things. You've looking at all these shadows that the enemy is casting all in front of you and you've lost focus on who Christ is and who Christ has called you to be. But what we've got to do, church, is instead of running to the things of this world, we've got to run to the word, we've got to worship and we've got not to forsake the assembling together with others because if we don't run to the word, we're gonna to run to an addiction. If we don't run to the worship, we're gonna to run to the worry. If we don't run to the house of God, the enemy's gonna isolate you. But I know and I get it, it's going to take discipline. You're gonna to have to set your mind on those things. You're gonna to have to be intentional about those things. But I encourage you, even when you don't want to, seek him. Even when you don't feel like it, seek him. You know, I love how Paul, he always comes back to reminding 
So he's exhausted himself in chapter one and two of, of telling us, reminding these new believers of who they are in Christ. And so in verse one and two, he gives them application as to now what things should look like, what they can do when they face sin, what they can do when they're facing this judgment that they're facing in the church. But then very quickly, verse three and four, what does he do? He goes back again, reminding them of who they are in Christ. Verses three and four, he says there, he says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. You see, what Paul is doing here is he's trying to put the wind back in their sail. He's trying to remind them of the hope that is theirs. He's trying to remind them, don't get caught up in what's taking place on this world, but think about what's coming. Think about what's coming. And then he reminds them that if they have placed their faith in Christ, he tells them there. He says that you, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, I know that we have spent a lot of time in chapter one using the terminology of being in Christ and being with Christ and all of those things. And so I know that's a, we, we've actually at our men's breakfast that we were having back a month ago, we were meeting on Thursdays and we had a very deep conversation about this. Well, what does it mean? What does it look like for me to be in Christ? What does it mean for me to be with Christ? I don't fully understand all of the, the, the security that comes in that. And so as I was reading this, I was preparing for this week that jumped off the page again. He says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I remember a, a visual when I was in college. Many of you have heard of this guy. I think his name's like Louis Giglio. Um, I used to go to 722 that was down in North Point and we would go there every Tuesday night. And I remember that Louis Giglio painted the picture of what it meant to be in Christ. And that has never left me. It has never been made so clear to me. And so that's what I want us to do is to kind of explain these last three or four, ver or these verses three and four through the visual of what it means to be in and with Christ. And so as, as he knows, we're he's talking to new believers. They were once, I and D's, all I could come up with individual that I could get to fit on there. So here's the individuals. Because of their sin, they have been separated from God. They've been cut off from God because of the sin of all of us. Because you realize none of us are perfect. We were all born into this world as sinful people. So we were then separated from God as a result of our sin. But the beauty of God's grace and God's mercy and who he is. He sent the Holy Spirit after the resurrection. He sent the Holy Spirit to come after you, to come after me. The very power of the Holy Spirit that we talked about earlier, the Holy Spirit pursues you. And what we've seen so much in the last several months is we have seen people that have tried running from the drawing of the Holy Spirit that couldn't run anymore. That the Holy Spirit finally caught up and you said, okay, I'm tired of this. God, I am surrendering to the drawing of this Holy Spirit. And here's what we gotta see, that even these new believers this is the very thing that has happened in their life. The Holy Spirit has pursued them. The Holy Spirit has invited them to be reconciled back to God, to be put back in fellowship with the God who loves them. 
And when they accepted that invitation from the Holy Spirit, when they accepted that invitation from Jesus Christ, the Lord, in that moment, the Holy Spirit came to live inside them as an individual. And simultaneously, in the same instant, in the moment the Holy Spirit resides in their heart, the Holy Spirit is now there. We, these believers, are now placed and hidden in Christ. So now what the Father sees When God looks down on the believer, guess what? He no longer sees the sin that is in the individual. The individual is in Christ. So therefore, what the heavenly father sees now is the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to be hidden in Christ. And when we are hidden in Christ, when we are saved by God's grace, we're not only hidden in Christ, but it says that we are one with God. Here's our security. Our security is not in who we are. Our security is not in the fact that we've got the outside looking good now. We've got it all figured out. The reality is the inside's still a mess. But the Holy Spirit has now cleansed us and made us righteous and made us holy in the eyes of the Father. This is where the protection comes from. This is the security. So you let all of hell and all of the demons come at us because we are secure in the almighty God. There's nothing that this world can do to pluck us from the Father's hand. When you are secure, you're secure. And aren't you thankful that even in spite of sin, we stay secure? Because remember, as a believer, we don't have it all figured out. We're just trusting Jesus for salvation. And so even when sin arises in our life, even when we fall flat on our face, even when we seek things other than the things above, guess what? You're still in him. You're still in him. There's nothing the enemy can do to pluck you from the Father's hand. This is our confidence. This is how we, as the body of believers, walk in obedience. This is how we walk in faith. And so Paul is reminding them, he's saying, look, your security is in him. Your security is not in these laws that you're being judged for not using, for not living by. And even for us today, this is why we walk in freedom. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And when we are hidden in Christ, we are also with him. But you know, here's the hope. Here's the hope that he wants these new believers to have. Revelation chapter 19. Because we all this talk about hidden, all of this talk about the mysteries of the gospel, there's coming a day that the things that are hidden will no longer be hidden. There's coming a day when this mystery to a lost world makes perfectly good and clear sense. Because how many times do we see people in this world that we don't understand, that not even us as believers now, but, but we, you see a lost world that you see somebody saved by God's grace and we see them supernaturally transformed by the Holy Spirit. A lost person doesn't understand that. 
A lost person doesn't understand the supernatural power that has taken place because it's hidden, it's a mystery to them. But listen to what John writes in Revelation. Starting in verse 11 of chapter 19, here's where he wants them to find their hope. Here's where he wants these new believers to find their hope. Verse 11, John's had a revelation and it says this, this is what he saw. He says, and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and he wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. Listen to verse 13. He is clothed, clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. Verse 14, here's their hope, here's their promise. And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on the, on the white horses. Do you hear that? Because he said in just a moment ago, he says that if one day Christ is revealed, you too will be revealed. So here's their hope that there's coming a day. We may be going through the everyday motions of life, but there's coming a day that our heavenly father, that God almighty is gonna say, son, go get my church. Son, go get my children. And so whether it's a mystery to you whether you believe it or not, it's not gonna change the reality that it's happening. And the reason that I know that there's one day that God is coming to get us, the reason that he's sending his son to come and bring his church home is because the word of God tells us, and this is the truth. So there's coming a day that we're gonna look, the skies are gonna open, and God's gonna say, son, go get my children. And we're gonna see Christ in the white robe, dipped in blood, riding on the horse. But guess who's behind him? The army. The ones Paul is talking to is the army that's following the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, coming to get the church. And so what Paul's wanting them to understand is that that doesn't matter what you're facing right now. It doesn't matter how tough, li how tough life is, what the distractions are going on in your life, but just remember your hope is coming in the fact that Christ is going to be revealed. And if you are in him, you are revealed with him. But the question is this, now for us as individuals, are you in him or are you not? There's no middle ground. You're either in Christ, you've either placed your faith in him for salvation or you have not. It's a yes or no answer. But if you're not in him, the question is, is what are you in? And I do wanna challenge the dads here. Are you in him, dad? 
Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you asked the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be the Lord of your life? Or are you still that dad that's hiding in the success of your job to impress your children? Are you that dad that is hiding in, in your good works to try to earn God's love? Can I tell you that that one day will be revealed. And if you think you're hidden in those things, you're gonna hear the words depart from me because I don't know you. So are you in him or are you not? When Christ's return comes, what will it reveal? What will it reveal about your life? Will it reveal that you're in him or will it reveal that you are in this world? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.